Welcome to the Reaching Forward podcast. We are here today to do Bible study with you studying the book of Galatians and we're in chapter 2 and we've titled this Bible study A Vision of Freedom and we're coming up on July 4th when those in America celebrate our freedom in this country. We would like to celebrate the freedoms that Christ gives us. And in chapter 2 of Galatians, if you want to turn there or click there, we're going to look at freedoms stand. Freedoms stand. But let's pray. Father, Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand your word. Bless your preacher to impart this word that we may take a stand for the freedoms in Christ. And that we may gain a freedom, a vision of this freedom that Christ gives to all believers in Christ's name. Amen. I was standing in the park today wondering why a frisbee appears larger the closer it gets. Then it hit me. There were two young preachers in suits that were standing on the side of the road holding a big sign and it said, The end is near. Turn around now before it gets too late. So a man drove up and rolled his window down and shouted, Leave us alone, you religious nuts! He then rolled up his window and drove off in anger. One preacher kind of shrugged his shoulders and looked at the other one and said, Do you think we should have just written bridge out? Galatians chapter 2. Freedom stand. We found the source of freedom, Galatians chapter 1, was from God. In chapter 2, the Apostle Paul deals with taking a stand for that freedom in Christ. And you're going to have to do that if you're a Christian. In fact, if you like a football team, you're going to have to take a stand. If you like a girl, you're going to have to take a stand. If you like Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts, or... If you like Coke over Pepsi, you're going to have to take a stand for anything in your life. You might as well take a stand for Jesus. Verse 1, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Paul had these two people that went with him to Jerusalem. One was Barnabas, which was his uh, companion in preaching. And he was a good choice because he had seen a lot of Gentiles receiving Christ through the simple message of Jesus. And Titus was a superintendent of the churches in Crete. And he was a Gentile or a Greek, so he was a non-Jew. So great people to take with you. And it's been preached about Titus. There's a book bearing his name that Paul wrote to him. It has been said and preached, Crete needed Titus. And Titus needed Crete. You know, there are things that we go through. And there are stands that you're going to have to take in your life. Well, guess what? They need you. But guess what? You need them. You need that challenge. You need that time to take a stand for what you believe in. To be uncomfortable. It's a blessing. Verse 2. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should have run or had run in vain. Paul's steps were ordered by the Lord. He went up to Jerusalem 
to confer with the apostles about this gospel that he preached to the Gentiles. In verse 3, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Again, the false teachers were saying that you had to be circumcised in order to be really saved because it was under the law of Moses. And uh, the Bible says, though, Titus wasn't circumcised. Paul said, that's not what we preach as a condition of salvation. Paul wasn't against circumcision, but he protested that it became a condition of salvation. In verse 4, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom gave we place by subjection? No, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. We see here the motive of going to Jerusalem. He did not go to be instructed by the apostles or confirmed by the apostles. He went to preserve the gospel for the Galatian churches, for the Gentile churches. A Gentile is a non-Jew. I'm a Gentile. Many of the people I've met are Gentiles, okay? But the false prophets preached a conditional gospel. Put faith in Christ, but you have to add the works of the law. Faith looks at the works of Christ. Human reasoning and religion looks to the law or our works. Paul said, we didn't give an inch. You know what? That's what we need to do. We need to take a stand for what Jesus did in our lives. Take a stand where you work. Take a stand in your relationships of what Jesus is. Verse 6, But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Paul was not impressed by people's reputations, even the apostles versus the word of God. You see, Leviticus says in 19 and 15, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. The, the word of God says it doesn't matter if you have a position. The word of God or righteousness is above someone's position, whether they are very poor or very rich. You don't look to them you look to right, and the word of God is right. Verse 7, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Paul here claims the same authority as the original apostles. He says, I'm not impressed just because of their reputation or their excellence, but he said, guess what? They endorsed me. They gave the right hand of fellowship. They approved of my ministry. Now, Peter had a mighty ministry. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16 that his shadow would pass by and people would try to get under his shadow. And that there came a multitude of people from around Jerusalem and they brought sick folks and they were healed every one. That's a mighty ministry. Can you imagine just walking by people in your shadow and people get healed? Well, you know what? Paul had his own ministry and it wasn't from Peter. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11 and 12 And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. You know, some people have an inferiority complex. That's a belief that you are less worthy or important than other people. Paul was not one of them. You know what? You shouldn't be either. Christ saved you, and it came directly from Christ. You shouldn't let people talk down about you. You're a, uh, you're a royalty in Christ Jesus. God made you worthy. Verse 10, Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was also forward to do. Some believers were cast out from families and communities and impoverished. And in Acts chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, there was a famine in Judea. So it says that the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul, who is Paul. Paul understood that sometimes believers face tough situations, but thank God, brothers, sisters, will take care of other brothers and sisters. Thank God for people like Quartus, a brother. Thank God for brothers and sisters in the Lord that they they see when you need something. Verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, there's an important character lesson here. The false teachers were accusing Paul behind his back. Kind of like social media, right? I'm going to Twitter bomb this guy. I'm going to Facebook slam this guy. But you know what? Paul had a disagreement with Peter in Antioch. He didn't slam him behind his back. He spoke to him directly, face to face. You know, a lot of people are bold on social media, but not in person. Something to think about, right? But the Bible says in verse 12, For before that certain came from James, from the church in Jerusalem, Peter did eat with the Gentiles. So before these brothers came from the church in Jerusalem, Peter was eating pork pork sandwiches with the brothers, right? But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, the, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So they began to go with Peter. Insomuch that Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. This word is hypocrisy. I don't know if they were eating pork sandwiches but uh, with the Gentile brothers. But when the Jews came from the church in Jerusalem, from James's church, Peter took off. And he separated himself. As if to say, well, I'm really not with them. I... I'm clean. I'm a Jew. So even Barnabas started to get messed up. You know, it's an amazing thing. You have a lot of influence as a person. And even Barnabas 
and, and Peter kind of got messed up, but they begin to influence others by going back to this, this eating uh, clean foods versus unclean foods. Now, if you don't like pork and you don't want to eat ribs, nothing in the Bible says you have to. In fact, you don't have to eat meat. You can be a vegetarian or a pescatarian or a humanitarian or a librarian, right? But if you want to eat pig, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, for every creature of God is good. God made pigs, not the devil. And nothing to be refused. If you want to eat salamanders, go ahead. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. When I was in college, I ate a cricket, a live cricket, and I gained the nickname Cricket. Let me tell you, it doesn't taste like much. But you see, Peter, he, he walked back from the, the faith of Christ, and he walked back into the law as being something that kept you clean and something that kept you right with God by not eating these foods. Now, you know, you know as far as uh, uh, there's other reasons you might not partake of meat if a brother is, uh, has a kind of a weak conscience, or you might not uh, partake of meat for other reasons, but it's not for your righteousness. Verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, whoa, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentile, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Was it not Peter that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? And Jesus said, Thou art Peter. And he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not uh, stand against it. What, did, what, was, what was Peter talking about? That you're the Christ, and faith in you is how... The church was going to be built, not by keeping the law of Moses. And Peter was going back into it. But you see, we're justified by faith. And by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the false teachers were subtly attempting to turn the law into grace. And grace into the law. They were kind of trying to transform Jesus into Moses and Moses into Jesus. Kind of backwards, right? Jesus was this lawgiver that you had to keep all the stuff. And Moses came on the scene to save you because circumcision and all of this keeping of uh, certain foods would actually make you really saved. It totally got people confused and messed up. But verse 17 says, but, while we, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ... We ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Christ was not a lawgiver. The Bible says for 
in John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Christ is a forgiver. Christ is a life giver. Paul said, is Christ the minister of sin? Because if we're say we're justified by faith in Christ only, but then we have to go back to the law and eat certain foods under the law of Moses and, and be circumcised for that same justification that supposedly, air quotes, right, Christ gives. Well, then Christ really isn't the minister of salvation, but of sin and condemnation because you have to do all this other stuff as well as what he did. So Christ is basically lying, saying, trust me. And then Paul says, God forbid. For if I make myself, in verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. False teachers said, if you don't live to the law, you are dead to God. Well, Paul says the opposite. I'm dead to the law that I might live unto God. You see, the law can't justify a sinner, just condemn a sinner when they break it. You ever been pulled over by the cops and given a ticket? Right. Well, have you ever been given a pat on the shoulder because you didn't speed? Right. The law can condemn you, but the law doesn't justify. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Verses 1 to 4, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, we've got lots of laws in America, they don't stop people from breaking them, in that it was weak through what? The flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now notice what Paul said. This is an awesome verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. That constitutes true Christian righteousness. But Christ liveth in me. It's not me. It's Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know that Peter walked on the water as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. He loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave himself for me. Go back to Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins. Read that word, the words me and for me. Don't doubt for a second that you are not one of those included in those me's and for me's. It wasn't just for Peter or for Paul that Christ died. But for you and for me, the preacher, brethren, I need Jesus, but I'm one of those me's. You need to repeat those back. Those me's are for you. He loved me. He gave himself for me. And then he said, I, don't frust- I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead 
in vain. The Bible said for God in John chapter 3 and verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Chapter 2 of Galatians, a vision of freedom in Christ. Freedoms stand. You know, I've got a challenge for you. You've listened to this Bible study. That's not the challenge. The preacher was a challenge to listen to your Bible study. Well, okay, so here's a, here's a second challenge. <laughs> stand up for your freedom in Christ. Stand up in your heart to the lies of the devil. Stand up to those people that find fault with you for being a Christian. Stand up in your workplace. Stand up in public. Stand up for your freedom in Christ. A vision of freedom. God bless you is our prayer.